The reading today is from Luke chapter 5, chapter verses 17 to 26. You may need a little bit of time to find this passage in your own version of the Bible. I read from Luke chapter 5, beginning from verse 17. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They came from every village, from Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority in us to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I'll tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks uh, so much, Yule, and know that we normally, uh, I will normally say something like, keep your Bibles open. Um, now, you may have Bibles with you, hopefully. Um, if you haven't, I'll, I'll put some stuff on the screen. Um, because of uh, the times that we are in, uh, things are changing and a little different uh, today. I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll, we'll take a look at this together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would uh, still our hearts this morning. Uh, whatever we've come with on our minds, uh, people we're uh, uh, concern for. I pray that you would allow us to come before your word and before your son and bring them to you. And I pray you would stir faith in us. Amen. Um, so, well, welcome. Um, if you are um, new or visiting us, as James said, uh, if you're just kind of bobbing in because perhaps your service isn't able to be on, um, we're really pleased that you're here. Um, we are in the middle of a series looking at um, 
Luke's gospel, the early part of it, and we've called it Jesus' words powerful um, and controversial, um, and that really steps up with this particular passage that we're in. But you'll have arrived this morning, no doubt. We're all reacting to the news, which is coming very fast. Uh, the kind of times we're living in are very different, perhaps, to normal. Um, I don't know how you're processing the amount of information that you have um, got and, and where you're, uh, how it's affecting you. Some of you will be um, healthcare workers. Some of you will be um, doctors, uh, medics, uh, others um, in that field. Um, some of you are scientists. We have a number of um, uh, very well-qualified scientists in our congregation um, of different fields and different spheres, and it's, they're, they're processing that. And one of the things you'll have been aware of perhaps in the media at the moment, is the, um, uh, the, the kind of reliance that we have on science, but some of the different interpretations of that. And I thought we would start this morning uh, with a, a short um, uh, a clip that I'm going to play you. If you happen to be listening yesterday morning, uh, the excellent Nick Robinson on BBC uh, Radio 4 was about to interview a couple of scientists. Um, and it's a, an indication of what's going on for us at the moment, that he was he was, in, uh, he was interviewing two different scientists from two different fields, and the way he introduced that, which I'll play you, introduces the, um, some of the questions that we have at the moment. How do we react to this? How do we process the information that we're getting? How do we process the scientific information if you're not um, a scientist? Let me just play you this, and you'll, there's a particular point I'll, I'll pick up on uh, in a moment. Banned. Now, the truth, of course, is that the science has to be balanced against other considerations. Different experts can disagree about how to interpret facts. And, of course, there is also more than one type of scientists. So let's explore some of the choices the country now faces with two different sorts of scientists. A leading epidemiologist, Professor Neil Ferguson of Imperial College London, who specialises in the study of the spread of diseases, and a leading psychologist, Professor Simon Wesley of King's College London, who's Professor of the Royal College of Psychiatrists. Morning to you. Morning. Good morning. I'm sorry, did I call you a psychologist? I could have called you a yes, psychiatrist. You I do apologise. It is a distinction that matters. I'm, I'm all too aware, but uh, apologies for that. At this moment in time, Nick, it doesn't matter very much. <laughs> well, I'm grateful for that. Let's turn to Professor Ferguson to start with, though. Professor Ferguson, help people who are waking up confused, maybe even a bit cross. They were told that mass gathering... He put his, puts his finger, as he introduces that, he's got a couple of scientists he's going to interview, he puts his finger on something which is really interesting, where he says, you might have heard him say, help people who are waking up a bit confused, maybe even a bit cross, angry at what they've heard or, or are trying to process. Um, he's put his finger on the fact that they may be reacting from different places, um, uh, perhaps confused, perhaps anxious, perhaps um, fearful, um, perhaps angry. Uh, at what's going on. And the reaction may be coming from some different places. He's saying, look, can you help us, help people who are waking with those different potential responses? Now, why am I talking to you about this, apart from the fact that obviously this is in everyone's minds? That question underneath what he's saying there is, from what place are your reactions coming from? From what place are your, my reactions coming from? It is going to be at the heart of what Luke is showing us here with Jesus, as he will talk, uh, as he will show us Jesus talking with these people and asking that very similar question, from what place are your reactions coming from? Now, just in case you might enjoy this for a moment, um, so it's not all too sober and serious this morning, um, I've enjoyed this cartoon, which uh, somebody created 
Um, and it says, if you can't read it, somebody at one of the uh, briefings saying, if you show the early signs of becoming an armchair expert, you must self-isolate till 2021. Um, I am not a scientist, so this is not me trying to, you know, lead you in one direction or another. You will be aware of, uh, of, of those who are trying to process this, but we're all uh, becoming our armchair experts uh, rather rapidly. Now, in this passage, um, it's, it's quite a well-known story. You may know it well. Um, Jesus meets uh, this uh, paralyzed man, um, and that same question, from what place are your reactions coming from, is one that I will come back to, and I want to kind of, in, in many ways, it's what I want to, you to take away. We've been thinking about um, Jesus' words and the responses that they create in people. They are powerful, but they are controversial, and the reactions to them are stepping up a gear at this point. We'll look at the healing. Let me just take us through and kind of just live with this story for a second, Um, and then we'll come to the reactions um, uh, as the second part. But we start with this, um, uh, this opening, and one day Jesus is teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are sitting there. Now, if you don't know, the Pharisees are the religious conservatives of the day. Their goal was to keep the nation sort of faithful to the Old Testament Mosaic law. That was their main aim. That was what they were trying to do. And the teachers of the law are kind of a group uh, alongside them. They've been described as religious parliamentarians. Um, now, that was because they were there to rule on the religious legality or not of something. Um, so if there was uh, a decision um, to be made, um, this morning we had a baptism at the first service. Um, the Church of England had just issued some guidance that I wasn't allowed to use um, uh, to touch the water when baptizing somebody. So aside from trying to do it with the force, um, I, used a, I, I used a cup. Um, uh, and there was a sort of religious ruling that had been made. You know, it's all good, uh, good practice, um, but that's what happened earlier this morning. Um, they have come, you notice, from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So your bigwigs are out with their checklists. And if I said to you, know, you know, that, that so-and-so has come up from London to check on how things are, that's, it tells you a couple of things. It tells you that they are agitated by this. And it tells you that Jesus has become a focus of attention. And what he is doing and what he is saying has become um, uh, of national importance. So here they are coming up from London. Um, but, Luke says, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. Now, you kind of need to sort of put that in your back pocket for a moment, because he's, Luke is just giving us a kind of a thing to notice. That So the bigwigs are coming, but it turns out the power of the Lord is with Jesus. So, you know, kind of keep that in reserve. Um, that may come out later. Some men appear, uh, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, Uh, and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus, but they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, it's busy, they're in this house. Um, uh, So you have to imagine they've come along, um, the man would have been on some kind of stretcher, um, they're there, quite how they uh, manoeuvred him. Um, In those days, um, houses often had steps up on the outside, up onto the roof. The roof um, uh, overlaid with uh, with beams, and then um, whether it was branches and... and, um, uh, a way of covering, and then often clay that then was sort of bonded to, to cover the roof. They can't get in because of the crowd, so they go up the steps onto the top, and they begin taking apart the roof. So you imagine them sort of, you know, pulling out these kind of lumps of clay and making a clearing, 
and then they um, you know, just lower the guy down. Um, and the way Luke tells it, they, they take these kind of, he, he uses the word tiles, so you can imagine pulling apart the roof, in the, lower him in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now you're going to, you know, assuming the crowd are there and this has begun to be happening and there's bits of debris that are starting to fall and what are the crowd thinking? Um, what is the paralyzed man thinking as he's being sort of lowered down? Um, we didn't plan on this, chaps, when we arrived. What is the house owner thinking? Um, somebody going to fix my roof later? And they lower him and he's just there in front of Jesus. You imagine the kind of silence. Jesus speaks, he sees their faith, and then he says, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now, there's obviously a big gap between what you might have expected him to say and what he does say. Anything along the lines of, do you need healing? Can I heal you? And so on would have been in the ballpark of what we'd expect. But he says this. And we'll look at the reactions in detail in a moment because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are not impressed. Um, In terms of what is going on here, um, if you're interested in in the fact that he says your sins are forgiven, I think they would have had a closer sense of the relationship between sin and physical sickness than we do today. It's not something we often talk about. I think here the plural means Jesus is probably talking more generally of the man's sinfulness as he might do of Um, uh, of us than a specific sin. But that relationship, I think, was closer than we had. But as the the Pharisees um, begin to think, what are you doing? Um, uh, Who else can do this? Jesus um, knows what they're thinking. And then, having had this, if there's this gap between what you're expecting him to say and what he does say, he kind of, he leans into that. Um, If you're watching it in your mind's eye, um, he says, which is easier to say, uh, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk. He kind of of is is pretty blunt about it. Um, Which is easier to say, your your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? Well, of course, it's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, because you can't prove whether that's the case or not. So, of course, it's easier to say that. No way of demonstrating that one way or the other. It's much harder to say get up and walk. And you have to imagine for a moment that this, this scene as it unfolds is a bit like um, a game of poker. Uh, if you've ever seen, at least maybe a TV or a film game of poker. Um, Jesus is there, and he's saying, which is easier to say, uh, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? And of course it's easier to say that, but what that means is we're all now wondering, well, if you say get up and walk, are you going to be able to... Pr- prove that? Will it happen? And like a, like a poker game, you're looking at the guy going, do you have the cards there? You make this call, do you have the cards in your hand that if you had to play them, you can do it? Can you back this up, Jesus? 
And so presumably everyone is watching him, wondering what will happen. And he says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He puts the cards on the table, and it turns out he has a very good hand. And the man gets up, and he takes off his mat, and he's thrilled, and he presumably skips his way home. And it's this extraordinary moment of Jesus kind of calling their bluff. But can you see, what does it mean? It means if he was able to say, get up and walk, and they did, when he said, your sins are forgiven, they were. And Luke kind of presents it and pushes it out to you and says, what do you make of that? What do they make of Jesus' words, his claim to be able to forgive sin? And that's where the reactions come in. So let's have a quick uh, look at um, those. Um, what Luke does is tell us the internal conversation that is going on. Um, in verse 21, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Um, only God can forgive sins, so they're right about that um, in terms of their, you know, in terms of their, their uh, Old Testament understanding, in terms of their uh, theology, they're right. Only God can forgive sins, so they know that. Um, again, this morning, um, Sarah had chosen, uh, we have a kid's song that we sing, um, I think where we call it that, um, uh, where we all sing, but the kid's song. Um, this morning, it was, um, uh, there's a song which goes, how cool is that, how cool is that, he must be God if he can do that. Now, some of you are leaders here and might have sung that this morning. How cool is that? How cool is that? He must be God if he can do that. Well, if you were one of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you could not sing that song because nobody else, you, don't, you can't sing that about anyone else. Nobody is allowed to do that um, and be God. Only God is. Um, so you couldn't have done that. So they know what their thinking is, but they are having this internal conversation. Now, why, why is Luke giving us this passage and why is he stepping up a gear in the controversy with Jesus. We've seen that his words have power. We've seen that they, they can uh, heal, um, that he can do things. We're, we've been, as we've been going through, we've been starting to, to feel more motivated to listen to what he has to say. But now his words are starting to bite. And what Jesus is doing is he is trying to open up this conversation with them or open up for them their own understanding of themselves and saying, can you see that the struggle to believe my words, can you see that the struggle is first inside you? So he says, uh, Jesus, who knew what they were thinking, um, Luke tells us, he knew what they were thinking. He says to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Uh, you could translate it, why are you raising objections within yourselves? What is the internal conversation that you are having? It's that so often... Uh, in a life of faith that matters. Why are you raising these objections in yourselves? From what place are you reacting? From what place are you reacting? Uh, 
For the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you can imagine, can't you? You've come up, you've come up from the capital, you've got your checklist, uh, you're here to evaluate this guy from a place potentially of needing to be in control. Jesus, you don't get to say that. How dare you? Or to put it another way, from a place of fearing losing control. I've come here to determine this. If you say that, I'm no longer able to decide anymore. Or perhaps to push it uh, even a little further, fearing losing control dressed in theology. Uh, you see what I mean. Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I don't think it's right uh, to be saying that for the church. I don't think that's what God would expect people to be doing. Fearing losing control and dressing it in theology. From what place were they reacting to Jesus' words when he said, friend, your sins are forgiven? You don't get to decide that. How dare you, Jesus? Now, I think he's trying to, you see, he's trying to open up this internal conversation for them. What, from what place are you reacting? What, is, what are you thinking within yourselves, in your hearts? Why are you thinking that way? Um, I don't think he's doing it kind of to, um, to, to kind of hammer them. I think he's lovingly, he's trying to open that for them and say, can you see what is going on in you? And I think for us, just standing back for a moment, I'm not sure, this is the passage that we have this week, we've been working our way through this series, I'm not sure there's anything more relevant for the situation that we find ourselves in than asking ourselves, from what place are we reacting to what we have going on around us? From what place are we reacting as we process information? Is it from a place of fear or fear of losing control? Is it from a place of faith and faith in the Lord Jesus? Because Jesus, not only does he open this up for them, but he opens up, and I think he wants, Luke wants us to see Jesus opening up what the possibility of faith looks like and what it means. The, the, the second, the kind of contrasting reaction comes just um, uh, towards the end in the last verse or two. Um, he stand, the guy stands up and um, takes his mat and goes home and everyone is amazed uh, and gave praise to God and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Um, so you can imagine the crowds are, are um, they're kind of, it's coming from a place that says, wow, this, this guy is doing something. I don't necessarily know entirely what it is, but he's really doing something. But it's that contrasting response where, where we're just beginning to see the possibility of faith. Now, it's um, underneath that, or, or it links back to um, slightly earlier, when um, in verse 20, the friends themselves... Jesus interprets what they are doing as their act of faith. So in verse 20, it's when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, he's the one who interprets it. And in fact, it's Luke's first use of that word faith 
here, and it will come at later points in his gospel. But he is just introducing that idea and the possibility of what it looks like to have faith in Jesus' words. Now, it's a simple faith. Um, What would you say it is? How would you describe it at this point? It may be no more than, guys, let's get together. We'll take him on a mat, and we think there might be something that this Jesus can do for us. It may not be much more than that at this point. But can you see they are reacting, they are operating out of that place of faith, not a place of fear. And Luke puts those before us. They may not have all the, you know, whether they think they've got all the answers, whether they know exactly what Jesus would do, we don't know. But they are operating out of that place that says it is, let's get together and go. And so as we go into the rest of this week and, and what the, uh, the next few weeks will bring, those of us who are anxious, afraid, worried, concerned, processing a lot of information, to have that question before us that Luke puts here, from what place are you and I reacting? Jesus' words here are incredibly powerful. He has moved this up a notch from simply uh, the incredible miracles that he's done to announcing the forgiveness for this man, of recasting his life. And to those of you who may not know, I know many of you will, Jesus offers forgiveness of sins to you and I. He offers through his death and his resurrection the hope of resurrection, the hope of new creation. He offers a much greater um, sphere, landscape of, of where we're going beyond this world and more than just this world. And as you process what is coming in the next uh, days and weeks, from what place are you and I reacting? Are we coming to him in faith. He wants to open that possibility for you. You might be here thinking, I could never have faith. It is as simple as this, of just saying, I don't quite know where this is going and what it means, but I am looking to you, Jesus, for help. The possibility of faith and not operating out of a place of fear or wanting to remain in control. We're going to see as we go on further ways in which Jesus moves up uh, the gears as he, um, this controversy rages. Will we come to him? Will we hang on his words? Do we believe his words have the power that he says they do? That's going to be the question that we will face. And I think it's a very relevant one in the circumstances that we face even this week. So shall we pray together? Let me just give us a moment, uh, perhaps, to ponder and reflect uh, what we make of Jesus' words, what uh, place we are reacting from. Gracious Father, we pray and uh, we come to you and we're just aware of the competing uh, uh, emotions, responses um, in us at all all different times. Lord, we pray that as we uh, 
have thought again about your son, that uh, as we hear his words, we would be um, drawn to him. Uh, We'd shape our other responses to this world in the light of what we know of him, uh, his power, his ability. And I pray that would be the framework through which we understand. I pray that you'd help us as we go into this week, and whatever it brings, that you would be settling our hearts, that we have a saviour in you who forgives, who Uh, uh, goes to the cross, dies, rises, that we might know uh, full and eternal life beyond all that this world has, I pray. Amen. Thanks very much, Han. Now, this is the point at which um, we do some notices normally, um, although there aren't a great deal of notices to tell you. But um, what I wanted to just um, uh, tell you or or talk through, uh, you might have received um, this by email this week. If you don't get our weekly emails, they're a really key way that we get information out um, to people. Um, The quickest way to be able to sign up for that is just to fill in a welcome card, um, even if you're a regular here, and just um, put your email address down and tick the right box. Um, and then you can receive those. What I wrote um, just late this week was that as a church, we are doing what we can to act wisely and to prepare practically. We're also doing what we can to help one another prepare um, spiritually. Um, And a situation like this reminds us that humans are frail creatures and that we don't have quite the control over our own lives that we might like. Uh, One of the things uh, we'll all be aware of is people having to isolate themselves And the pain of having to take that step reminds us that God has made us for relationships. Uh, We're called to be in the Christian life together. And whatever the next few weeks brings, there's a chance, a real chance for us to show the love of God who calls us to be in that kind of community. Um, I uh, went on to say, um, so there's lots of information. It is changing um, almost daily. Please follow the government's advice. Um, If you have symptoms or you feel uh, you're vulnerable in some way, act as they have advised. We are aware of a few people who are following the government's advice and are self-isolating. And if you are too, or that becomes something you're doing, do let us know. We'd love to be able to pray for you. We'd love to be able to make contact, uh, give you a ring, uh, whatever it might be. And we'd need you to let us know that that was the case. Um, And you can get in touch with the office um, and just offer you whatever help um, we can. And there'll be um, those who are small group leaders of various kinds. If you were, you also should have got an email from me um, just encouraging you to check in with your group members over the next five to seven days just to find out how they're doing. Are they just getting on with things or are they um, needing to isolate themselves? And if so, do they have support? Um, and there'll be other networks around. So if you didn't get that and you're a small group leader or a leader of some kind, then let me know and we'll make sure that gets to you as well. Um, uh, and as you've seen, services here continue. We um, tested live streaming our first service this morning, which um, went very well. Um, and there were people who were able to watch at home. Um, and we'll use that as we need to um, if things change um, in the course of this week. Uh, but at the moment, we're planning to um, continue as we have done today. As you'll, you'll have noticed, some things have changed. Um, uh, so there aren't any refreshments uh, that you guys might have had before the service. If you came hoping for a cup of tea, um, you might not have got one, or you won't have got one, um, unless somebody who brought a flask was helping you out. This is the time to invest in a flask, people. Um, uh, and, and we've encouraged you to bring your own Bibles um, because we won't be circulating our own at this point and things like that. Our ministry of prayer isn't happening um, uh, today and, and won't be happening at the moment. There is an alternative way. If you want to, if there's somebody you would like prayer for or perhaps 
perhaps you um, had a prayer request of some kind, there's some paper in the corner there and you can write that down and then we can kind of pass that on to the prayer ministry team and others who would be glad to pray about that um, for you. Uh, We won't be passing collection bags around. Um, uh, If you normally give um, using those collection bags, and you're very free to do so, we have what are called retiring collections, which basically means there's a a point at either exit where if you want to make use of that and give in that way, you can. Um, So um, apart from that, just to encourage you, you, uh, well, also to know that there are a number of events that have been cancelled, like um, the lunch that was going to be after um, next week's service, um, the tea dance um, at the end of March, the Langham Partnership event has been cancelled. Um, and the, as a team um, that involves myself, uh, wardens, deputy wardens and staff, we are reviewing all of this. It is coming in daily. There's a lot of communication um, uh, about where we are and what's happening. And we're just reviewing what bits of church life uh, need to change accordingly. Um, and we'll just keep you as updated as we can. But just to underline the needs to um, be a body and a community and a family and look out for one another. It's not a bad thing to ask for help if you need it. It's not a bad thing to check in with people and see if they need help. Um, so keep doing that um, and keep encouraging one another. And if perhaps at the end of the service we don't have a prayer ministry, but if, you want, if you're with somebody and you felt like you could and you wanted to just pray with them where you're sitting, um, that would be a great thing to do if they felt they needed prayer and um, pray with them. Okay, I said there weren't any notices, and I've gone on for a long time. Um, So I'm going to hand back to James.